Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You're listening to the best of the Roto Experts in the morning. But one of the things I'm most interested in your analysis, Scott, I remember on Thursday and on Friday, I was like, on Monday morning, we are going to be talking about injured players at 7.05 and the impact of it. Here it is, 7.05. And on Friday, we talked about Darius Geis, maybe a little bit of a knee, maybe a little bit of an MCL. We thought it was going to be, you know, kind of a a shorter-term thing. Then literally, Scott, on Friday, you know, evening, we were together and we heard Darius Geis is out for the season with an ACL tear. Talk to me about this, Scotty. What do we do? What does this mean? Big blow for Washington football team fans, big blow for fantasy owners. But what does it mean in the kind of next man up uh, situation? Who do we think gets those opportunities? Yeah, the Thursday we were talking about we didn't know it was short term. We didn't know if it was long term right. just because you don't know until the tests come through. And, you know, then we heard that, you know, he's out for the year. And my mind sped back to 20 years ago when Kajana Carter was drafted and never got his career off the ground uh, basically because of an injury. But, of course, you know, modern medicine has certainly improved. Mm-hmm. And then automatically, you know, it's, it's it's terrible. Chris Thompson couldn't even talk when reporters were talking to him about the injury. He was getting right. all teared up. He was very upset about it. And, you know, then the mind immediately springs to, okay, who's next? And, you know, Jay Gruden says they're not going to go outside the organization for another running back. And when you see, you know, stuff like Orleans Darqua on the free agent list, there's nobody really to come in and basically be like a three-down back or a lead running back better than what they have on the roster. So, you know, from all the research that I've done, it seems like it's going to be a battle for playing time between Samaj P. Ryan and Rob Kelly to be the lead back. And they're no longer calling him Fat Rob. They're calling him Fit Rob because <laughs> he's coming to camp more trimmed down. And, you know, lots, a lot of people assuming that Chris Thompson is going to step forward and be the starter. And it's not the fact. This is, I talked about this last week. The, you know, this, you, you have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. Chris Thompson is not big enough to handle a heavy running back workload. I've talked about it before. You know, I talked about it on Thursday. There are people who are saying, I'm moving Chris Thompson up my board. You know, on Friday and Saturday, I say, don't do that. He's still the receiving back. The lead runner is either going to be Samaja P. Ryan or Rob Kelly, or it's going to be a pure committee. Those two guys are going to share carries with Thompson being the receiving back. And you can't also forget about Byron Marshall in the mix if Thompson's leg is still not 100%. Yeah, that's definitely true. The names to watch are, you know, Samaji P. Ryan, second-year guy out of Oklahoma. And I like how you're calling him Fit Rob these days because uh, apparently he's reporting to camp and maybe ready to take, uh, you know, seize this opportunity. Um, I want to ask you about Thompson, though, Scotty. I, and the analogy I'll draw is like what we talked about with Alvin Kamara. You know, when, when Mark Ingram 
when when uh when the news of his suspension went, we had similar conversations. Everybody was vaulting Kamara right into their like, you know, probably into the, like the number five spot, let's say, or the number six spot, you know, moving him up boards a little bit. And we made the point, Scott, that not to necessarily assume that this happens, that they want to keep guys like Kamara um, you know, kind of in that fifteen touch range for a couple of reasons. One, to maintain their explosiveness, and two, to not further risk the injury. We've seen this happen we saw this happen Scott last year with this Washington football team when their lead backs went out they started giving Chris Thompson more and more of the load and then he got knocked out with a season-ending injury they want to maintain Chris Thompson uh, so they are probably going to have it be Pirine and uh, fit Rob Kelly as you say there but you don't buy going outside of the organization people like Adrian Peterson luring DeMarco Murray out of retirement or any of these kind of uh, trades maybe for some of the retreads that uh, are in danger of being cut elsewhere. My mind goes to people like Amir Abdullah in Detroit. Yeah, you know, the Amir Abdullah thing would make sense. You know, he had a good preseason game over the weekend, but uh, right. you know, maybe the Lions don't want to get rid of him. They still seem to have some affection for him. Uh, but I saw one Redskins guy who covers them, you know, who has a blog saying they could trade for Tevin Coleman. You know, the the, no the Falcons are not good, not going to give up Tevin Coleman. Uh, right. No, and and Chris Thompson only carried more than seven times once in a game, twice last year, more more than eight times just once. So he didn't even get a chance really to be much of that featured back whatsoever. Going outside the organization, DeMarco Murray, they have to coax him out of retirement. Otherwise, there's nothing absolutely out there. What about Adrian Peterson? 3.4 yards per carry, no explosiveness. If Samaja P. Ryan can run behind his pads better and run with more power and you know, built on the talent. He's actually got more promise than bringing an Adrian Peterson out of retirement. So let me let me ask you this, okay? Let's let's get down to brass tacks on this one, Scotty. Um, let's say you got a draft. You know, let's say you got a draft that's going on right now. It's like a slow draft, let's say. You know, where you make a pick every four hours over email. Or let's say you got a pick, got a draft that's starting this week or happening this Saturday or whatever, and we don't know any other information. Who are you drafting first? What is the pecking order of Washington running backs? Can I ask you, if it's a PPR setting, are you taking Thompson ahead of Pirine or Kelly? Not because you think he's going to be the guy necessarily, but more like in another situation. You know, now all of a sudden I kind of would analogize it to uh, Cleveland, let's say, where you know there's a definitive, strong PPR back option and the early down work is kind of being split between two people um, until we know if Pirine or um, or Kelly is really the first dog and gets maybe a, a majority of that work. How would you put the pecking order of Washington running backs? Would you put Thompson ahead of them both because at least his role is clear? I would if I knew he was healthy. There's already talk mm. about Byron Marshall splitting time with him as the receiving back early in the season. Mm. So uh, I can't rank him first. I have to split hairs and think, who do I like better between P. Ryan and Thompson? And this is P. Ryan's opportunity. Uh, you know, the offensive line suffered a lot of injuries last year. Uh, should be better this year. I think that was also a factor for Samaja Pirine, who couldn't create his own running room. But the coaching staff still, Jay Gruden still really likes Rob Kelly. And Rob Kelly runs with more tenacity and more fire than Samaja Pirine, who's more talented. So right now I'm going to go Rob Kelly, Samaja Pirine, Chris Thompson. And if I'm playing in a very deep league, I'll 
I'll uh, go Byron Marshall if I'm playing one of those giant NFFC right. best ball leagues. Like last night, we had a best ball draft, and Samaja P. Ryan went first, and then Rob Kelly went a few picks later. I did a, I did a, did, did a best ball draft last night. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask you. Uh, you know, I got more questions on you about this, about this injury and the implications. Do, what do you think it does for people like Alex Smith? Jamison Crowder, Jordan Reed. You know, when we talked about the Saints, Scott, and we talked about how Mark Ingram was going to miss that time, part of the reason we said not to absorb it all with Alvin Kamara is we thought maybe in those games that the Saints would go back to relying on the passing game a little bit more. Now, with the Washington football team, maybe, uh, you know, I understand they like some of the guys they have in that running back room, but they still accept that it's a knockdown. Do you think that maybe Washington starts to think about its offense and pass more or maybe think about the short passing game which Alex Smith is very adept at and it could benefit a guy like Jamison Crowder who is getting a lot of buzz already working out of the slot or even a Jordan Reed underneath as the tight end what do you think it does for the passing game of Washington do they have to recalibrate their scheme a little bit here yeah that's that's default thinking you can't run the ball you got to pass more but I think I think it puts more pressure on the passing game that they don't need because, you know, if they're ending up in, like, second and eight, third and six, third and seven, third and eight, you know, that's pressure on a new quarterback, you know, coming to the team who doesn't have an outstanding receiving core. This team lacks a true number one wide receiver. So I don't know if it is good for the passing game. You know, that might might knock Alex Smith down a few pegs. You know, last year he was able to throw deep because he had – such support of the running game. You could use play action, and there was a lot of offensive balance. So it makes me more concerned about the Redskins' offense overall. Interesting, interesting. I also want to say, our guys, Carl Anderson and Tyler Bryson, if you remember, Scotty, I mean, towards the end of last week, there were a ton of Darius Geist nicknames in our contest, if you remember. Yeah. You know, from three blind guys to it's Geist to meet you to eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, guys. I got to hope, uh, Scotty, that our team name contest isn't a jinx on players. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully Patrick Mahomes stays healthy. Uh, trust me. Trust me. I hope that he is one of my uh, dynasty picks in my biggest dynasty home league of where I am the defending champion. Hey, that's actually the last question I want to ask you uh, before we move on from Darius Geis here on Roto Experts in the Morning. Remember, if you want to join the show, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Um, Scotty, if you're in a dynasty league... Okay, if you're in a long-term keeper kind of league, right? If you're in a rookie draft league, because you got to think about this in the long term, right, Scotty? Let's say you're not thinking about it just for this year. You're still drafting Darius Geis, right? Are you drafting Darius Geis or Naheem Hines in a dynasty rookie league first where you can maintain that asset? Let's say you're all the way in like the 13th round, and then you'd be able to get to keep this guy in the 13th round next year. Are you still looking at Darius Geis in the, in the end of draft just to stash on an IR slot? Because you do think he's going to be, you know, a big-time running back next year. How do you attack that in dynasty settings? You talking about an established dynasty league or a new dynasty league? Both. Okay, well, an established dynasty league, somebody asked me in the Roto Experts Slack chat, which is part yeah. of the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package, uh, enter the king at checkout for a discount. Should I still take Darius Geis at number two, at number three overall if he's there? And I'm like, no. I like Not me. number three, you, you but, want, you, you know. You want to win this year. This guy can't help you this year. Uh, you know, maybe if you like, like the – 
the third round of your rookie draft, you know, okay. I, could, I could see it. But, you know, and if you're doing a, doing a, a, a dynasty league that's new and you're probably going to go about 20 rounds, you know, I could sure. see it in the double-figure rounds. But, yeah, that's sometimes – I had to mention that because sometimes dynasty league owners get too focused on the future and forget they have to right. win this year. No, I think that's right, Scott. And I'm not saying you still take him where you would have, right? But, I mean, at some point, he still has a value in the long term. Like, for example, and I'm just throwing it out here, right? Like, I'm sure – no, you're not taking him ahead of any of the running backs that we're really talking about here, the Kerryon Johnsons, the Royce Freemans of the world. But – Scott, what about this? Like in a dynasty, in a rookie draft, are you still taking Darius Geis ahead of? Oh, I don't know, ahead of Anthony Miller? No, Anthony Miller, you know, could be a quick impact player, you know, at some point during this season. No, okay. Any anybody um, I think has a t- ticket to clear playing time and you know clear impact in their first season, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking ahead of of guys like that. You know, I'm okay. not even taking them ahead of Michael Gallup. Interesting, interesting. You know, I, I would. Uh, we we're gonna have to think through. Like, the guy's I think gonna it's miss important. a full year. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah. he could be a top ten running back by the third year of his career. All right. So uh, you know, maybe I'll trade from next year. Like, okay. I can't draft so you're not three years from now. Should I, should I draft somebody who's in in high school right now in my dynasty well, draft? If we if we had the ability to do that, I think that would be very, very interesting to see how far down it would go. But I'm just saying in general, if you well, are in say, dynasty uh, league, is there a rule in dynasty leagues that you, you know you you have to draft well, not, players? Technically can you draft a college player? I mean, that's up to each commissioner, I would imagine, and each website or platform that you do it, uh, what the ability is. But I just wanted to let people know that, listen, he is out for the year. But in Dynasty Leagues, he still carries some value, although we would definitely have him behind anybody. I think what you said is right, Scott. Anybody who has a clear path to opportunity for this year, you have to put ahead of him. But just don't forget about it completely. Listen, Scotty, I'm in a Dynasty League, you know, a long-term Dynasty League. Where in the last few rounds, these are the kind of guys who get picked. You know, Hunter Henry will get picked and stashed, you know, in a long-term dynasty yep. league just to have him as a better value as a keeper moving on. We are excited to have our guests on right now. We have Ramin Mohajer. We have Moses Joy. They're from the HowIDecide.org kind of a foundation. And one of the things they've done here is this idea of uh, the GM Genius, okay, which, if you could believe it, is a scholarship for kids based on playing fantasy football and the decision-making that comes around it. So you know we had to have him on the show and spend a couple of minutes with the guys from How I Decide. Ramin and Moses, welcome to Roto Experts in the Morning. How you doing bright and early in the morning, guys? Great. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks absolutely. So much for having us, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So first of all, talk to me about this, okay? Because I'm, you know, I'm in education myself as well. I was a former school leader, kind of worked for nonprofits left and right here in New York. So when I hear, uh, when you talk about the decision-making skills and some of these social, uh, social emotional skills, these 21st century skills, as it were for kids, and the ability to do this through fantasy football and even get kids a scholarship, when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is amazing fantasy football being used for good. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit more of the premise of this scholarship? How's it working out? It's kids like 13 to 21. Tell us about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Uh, so it's called GM Genius. It's a program that's run by our nonprofit, How I Decide Foundation. 
And uh, basically, it's a scholarship competition and learning app that's all based on fantasy football. So kids sign up. They, they each week watch a brief educational video. They answer some questions based on the video. And then they set their lineup. We've got, like, our own version of fantasy football that they set their lineup in. And the top scores each week win Amazon gift cards. And the top scores at the end of the season win scholarships. And so we gave out around 25,000 in, in different scholarships. Moses uh, was one of the scholarship winners. And uh, it's been a really exciting way to, to use something that kids love to teach them some really important skills. Now, your scoring setup in your, your roster universe is a little bit different, and that kind of makes it really good for the entry-level player. You know, explain, you know, how, how it's different. Like, you, it seems like you have a limited player pool to pick from so people don't get overwhelmed when they join this game. But, you know, maybe Moses had more experience than most because he was able to win this whole thing. Yeah, I can talk about the, the player pool a little bit, and then I'll, I can hand it over to Moses. But uh, it, what you said is exactly right. We, we have it limited to the top players at the skill position. So 10 quarterbacks, uh, 10 tight ends, and 20 wide receivers, 20 running backs. And you've got to pick one quarterback and one tight end, three running backs, three wide receivers. And the, reason we, the main reason we did that is that we wanted to make it accessible for, for kids who'd never played before, really try and expose as many kids as possible to the program. And then what's cool, the, the, the sort of twist on it is that not only do you get to pick those players, um, but then you pick the, the range that you think they're going to score in. So, uh, you know, if you've got Julio Jones, you say he's going to get between 10 and 14 points. Let's say he ends up with 12 points. You'll get those 12 points, but then you'll also get bonus points because he uh. scored in the range you guessed. And the wider the range you set, the fewer bonus points, and the narrower the more. So we teach kids about sort of risk-reward analysis and, and how the range of outcomes can be with any given player. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're talking with Ramin Mohajer from the How I Decide Foundation and Moses, uh, Moses Joy, who was one of the uh, kind of winners and recipients last year. Moses, talk to me. Help us out here, okay, on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're helping people win their leagues and win that cash. When, how did, you know, Ramin mentions kind of your, it comes down to how risk averse you are, right? How narrow you want to set the range, how wide you want to set the range. Were you conservative or were you aggressive? What were some of your rules of thumb of picking players and setting these ranges? Because obviously it worked out for you, Moses. So take us into your decision making, into your thinking, which apparently was uh, improved because of this experience. Talk to me, Moses. Well, yeah, it's um, exactly like Ramin said. Um, when you, uh, like, if a rookie came in and having this kind of system, it helps them out. Uh, me, I've done previously a couple of fantasy football leagues with my friends before, but if this if it was for somebody coming in as like a rookie, it would help them out. Um, personally, me, I, I tried to tend to be more conservative. Uh, I would look at previous, uh, games, previous scores, uh, their scores from uh, last season and, uh, pretty much put all their stats together. I wouldn't put a too big of a range uh, for like the scores, but mm-hmm. looking at the previous uh, all the previous stats, I would put it. Uh, I te- like for like Todd Gurley on a good week, he uh, he would get like twenty points in some uh, leagues. So right. uh, uh, knowing that, like I wouldn't uh, put like from like twelve points to like twenty. Five points. Uh, I, I knew he would be somewhere in that range, so I would have like seventeen to twenty-one. And, nice. Uh, and actually, that ended up having a good impact on how I played this uh, in the week. 
Moses, uh, you know, what are you going to do with that scholarship money? You know, have you decided, uh, you know, what you, you know, what a uh, university you might use it for? What are you going to major in? And you know, does this victory give you more confidence to play uh, in, in you know, in more competitive fantasy football leagues? Are are we going to see you play in high stakes fantasy football, say, in the NFFC or something like that? Um. So uh, I did choose what college I'm going to. I'm going to Drexel University uh, right here in Philadelphia. Uh, Congrats. And Thank you. And uh, I'm majoring in mechanical engineering. And uh, I think so. Like you said, I probably will start to try to do more like, high-risk uh, fantasy leagues. Uh, our school year hasn't started yet, but I already set up another uh, fantasy <laughs> football league amongst uh, some of the people in, uh, in, our, in my uh, incoming class. So, yeah, I, I guess, like you said, I would try to go into some more high-risk uh, football leagues, fantasy football leagues. Hey, Ramin, uh, let me ask you something. We're talking with Ramin Mohajer here from the How I Decide Foundation. Started up this GM Genius competition. Moses Joy with us as well, one of the winners from last year. Ramin, talk to us just about the growth of this. I mean, you, you know, you guys won the FSTA Rookie of the Year Award last year. I know there was about, you know, maybe a thousand uh, kind of participants last year. Um, talk to me about what you're seeing in terms of the support from the fantasy industry, the growth of this, uh, the growth of this idea in year two. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I'll start with the support from the fantasy industry. It's, it's been tremendous. Um, you know, we, we, we were new to the industry, obviously hadn't, hadn't done anything in the area of fantasy before went to those uh, FSCA conferences and, you know, right off the bat, people were super receptive, really loved the idea of, of using fantasy for good and, and looking at how much potential it has, you know, outside of the traditional avenues. So, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of sponsors from the, from the fantasy community, a bunch of people that uh, have helped us with, with news stories and, and press and, you know, radio, radio shows like, like you guys. And, uh, you know, overall really have been so impressed at how excited people are to help out. And then in terms of growth, um, you know, we're, we're really, we think we're poised for, for big growth this year. We've already had, you know, way more signups at this point, uh, uh, you know, at this point this year than, than last year. We're looking to get, you know, many more kids, hopefully, you know, between five and 10,000 kids participating this year. So, you know, 5X to 10X of what we had last year. Uh, we're adding college students this year. So last year you had to be 13 to 19 to play, and, and this year you can be all the way up to 22. So um, from what we saw in our data, a lot of kids in college really wanted to play and Obviously, they could use the scholarships better, better than anybody. So, and you know, the money for books and all of that. So, uh, we were really excited to add college kids, and uh, you know, um, we're, we expanded our marketing budget, and, and really are, you know, think we can we can get a lot more kids playing from all across the country. Now, uh, playing the game isn't the only element of of your product. Also. The kids get to the, the, the you know, the, uh, I shouldn't say kids. I said, you know, the participants, uh, you know, because it's not all kids. It's, uh, you know, obviously some young adults, young men, et cetera. But, you know, they get to watch animated videos and also learn from those. And those, you know, from what they learn in the videos, that can translate into bonus points, you know, in the game itself. Exactly, yeah. So each week there's like a, you know, between three and four minute video that focuses on a different concept um, related to exactly what you guys were talking about critical thinking skills decision making skills 21st century skills uh and it's all it's all illustrated in the context of fantasy football so you know maybe it's about confirmation bias and and how you know obviously that applies in all parts of life whether it's you know the way you read the news and politics and all that 
but we explained about how, you know, maybe you've already made up your mind about which QB you want to start. But then, you know, you always look, you pick and choose the, the pieces of data that you want to you wanna pick to support your point, but often you discredit the data that doesn't, you know, support your point. And so, you know, we illustrate an idea through fantasy football, and then they get four multiple choice questions that they answer. And for each correct answer, they get five points that gets added to their score. So kids really have, you know, an incentive to absorb the material and think about it. And one thing we're adding this year is at the end of the competition, there's going to be an optional essay competition. So kids who really want to take it to the next level in terms of really applying their knowledge um, can write essays about how, you know, what they've learned in the program has been helpful in their lives. And, you know, the, the winners of those essay competitions, we've got, you know, we've got gift cards and scholarships for them as well. Hey, Ramin, have you gotten any pushback from people? You know, at all about these ideas of kids as young as, say, 13 and 14. Have you gotten any pushback saying, like, oh, I don't know, you're teaching kids how to gamble or stuff like that? Because to be quite honest, even if it was just straight gambling, you know, I still think there are the life lessons there, the money management, the risk, the risk taking, that sort of thing. I've always said that I'm going to take my five-year-old kids or cousins, you know, to the, to the racetrack and teach them a thing or two. But have you gotten right. any pushback on this concept with, you know, early teenagers kind of where you're, you know, teaching them the do's and don'ts and the ropes of, uh, you know, kind of gambling? Have you gotten any pushback from this concept? Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, so, you know, obviously, technically, you know, we're not, a, we're not a, a gambling app in any way. We don't take any money from the kids. It's sure. 100% free to participate. And, uh, and it's just that they can win these scholarships and prizes. Um, I, I would say maybe a, a, a tiny bit of pushback from, from you know, some schools and, and, mm. uh, and teachers who, who maybe just didn't understand it fully. And I think some people just see fantasy football and, and see prizes and just automatically are like, ah, I don't know, I don't know what this is all about or – you know, I've heard that fantasy football involves gambling or whatever, but right. but often whenever we actually you know sit down and explain it to people that it's a really cool way for kids to learn, you know, a great deal and also to to win scholarships that can really help them out with their education. You know, we we often end up you know the you know selling people and and not really having those issues anymore. Make them into a, a believer. A really good question. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's really all about the education. You know, you know, we've dealt with that. Uh, you know, the fantasy industry. Uh, you know, with daily fantasy. And trying to educate people across the country, and you talk about the decision-making skills, uh, you know, and how important that is. Because you know, I meet so many college kids when we're hiring interns and stuff like that, or even just remembering when I was in college, and people say, "Hey, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What major you want to pick?" And you you get some kids who just say, "I don't know," you know, and where where they want to go with their life. How not only does it improve the decision-making skills? Uh, like I just talked about, but sometimes you might find somebody that might want to go into fantasy sports as a career. So how does it improve anybody's decision-making skills? And could you see it maybe pointing to a career path for some people? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, each video talks not only about how to use these ideas of fantasy, but, but how to use it in, in, in your own lives. And, and the last video actually takes every single concept that we taught and shows you how it applies in, you know, the world of finance and weather forecasting and you know all of these ideas are are tied in and and what you said is exactly right like we we the, the whole basis of our nonprofit is that you know it's it's important that you learn content in school but in, in the end what ends up often being the most useful for you um, in your career in your personal relationships and with money management and all that is is how you can think critically and, and how you can make decisions and uh, we don't think schools 
focus on that quite as much as, as, uh, as they could. And so um, we feel that, you know, every kid should learn about these decision-making concepts the same way they learn about, you know, chemistry and science and, and math and all of that. And, and as for fantasy crews, I think that's absolutely possible. Uh, you know, we, we, kids are already so excited about fantasy football. And then when they can see how it can have implications, you know, that are bigger than just the fun that they're getting out of it, I think it really opens the idea of, hey, you know, maybe this is maybe this is more than just something I can do with my friends. And, and as we know, it's a booming industry with a lot of roles you can play in it. We're talking with Ramin Mohajer from the How I Decide Foundation and Moses Joy, one of the early recipients and winners of the GM Genius Competition. All right, you just talk about how everybody's excited for fantasy football. There are no two people that are more excited for fantasy football than your boy Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician, and the king, Scott Angle. So Moses, let's put your foot to the fire here. You're a budding expert in this industry. We got a lot of storylines here in the preseason that we want to talk about and get your insight here as we help people win their leagues and win their cash here on Roto Experts in the morning. So Moses, I got to ask you, one of the biggest topics coming through here in the preseason are a lot of these rookie running backs, right? And how much opportunity, how much production are they going to get early on out the gate? We've been talking a lot. I mean, okay, Saquon Barkley, we understand in New York, he'll be the lion's share there in a first round pick. But we got situations Moses, like in Seattle with Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. We got situations like in Denver with Royce Freeman and Devontae Booker. We got situations in Tampa with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. We have situations in Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde. Let me know here, Moses, which of these rookie running backs that are not named Saquon Barkley do you think has the best chance of really being a stud for you this year in fantasy because they're going to kind of overtake the incumbent, Moses? Which rookie running back do you like not named Saquon Barkley? Well, if I was going to choose a running back, I would say it would have to be Chris Carson. I feel like everybody's uh, sleeping on him a little bit. They're not mm. realizing, his, realizing his full potential. While he was at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, he was a beast. So uh, looking at all the other um, rookie running backs that are coming in to uh, the league this season, I don't know. I have a good feeling about Chris Carson and – what he's going to do on the Seahawks. Scotty, I know you like to hear that. Well, you know, Carson in his second year now is probably going to hold off Penny, according according to Moses. And look, like I said, you know, under Pete Carroll, you know, nothing is earned, you know, not by your pedigree or anything like that. You know, Carson's having a good preseason. He flashed uh, a little bit last year before he got injured and could end up being a timeshare in Seattle. Ramin, uh, how experienced of a fantasy football player are you and whose idea was was GM Genius? So I'm I'm pretty experienced. I got to say I, I've been uh, in two leagues since back in 2005. So I guess I'm going on my like 13th year now. Uh, mm-hmm. One with my my law school friends, one with my my high school buddies, and uh, and uh, yeah, you know the the idea was formed by a few of us uh, on our on our staff and board at, at How I Decide. Basically, there were a few of us that played fantasy football and would always sort of joke around about, hey, you know, this stuff that we're teaching kids about, it it really applies in fantasy football, and I I think I'm getting better at fantasy because I'm not falling for all these cognitive biases and and things like that. And then one time we're we're at a board meeting and we're talking about ways that we can engage kids directly um, and what can we do that could get kids really excited and, you know, you know, raised my hand and said, hey, why don't we think about this? Why don't we think about fantasy football? And, uh, you know, the the board gave me the green light to look into it more and worked with the team and, and really came up with uh, you know, what we think is a, a cool combination of, of education and, and fantasy sports. 
Absolutely. We're talking once again here with Ramin Mohajer and Moses Joy, who is one of the early uh, scholarship winners. My last last question for me, I go back to Moses, okay? I mean, this is a great story and all, but Moses, I'm looking for some insight here. I'm trying to win my own leagues, and it <laughs> seems like you know what's going on a little bit. Moses, do me a favor. Give me one guy. I like to – If I don't know how much you listen to uh, the network, Moses, but you know, some people call them sleepers and busts. I call them diamonds in the rough and the fantasy fugazis, the guys you need to forget about, okay? Okay, so can you do me a favor, Moses, this year? Give me one guy who you think is going to be a diamond in the rough that's going later in drafts that you really like, and who's a guy that might be a fugazi, someone you need to forget about that might be going a little bit too high for you in drafts, Moses? Give me one of each. Oh, somebody that's going a little too high. I'm thinking it's going to be uh, Zeke from Ezekiel Elliott. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think he might be a bust this year. Why is that? I, I don't know. I just love – I mean, he did really well. He did pretty well last year. In, uh, last when he was year. in, yeah. Yeah, when he was in, when he was in uh, when, he, when he was now. But uh, I, I feel like this year, I don't know. I'm not getting a good feeling about him. It's just one of those gut feelings that you have. Okay. And who are you having a good feeling on? Um, this year? Yeah. That's actually a, a hard question. Uh That's all right, Moses. We'll let you think about it a little think, bit more. He said, okay. he said Chris Carson. That's his guy. That's true. He does like yeah. Chris Carson. And, you know, we got to tell the fantasy executive, Scott, that he's a little bit down on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Scott, do you have one more for the guys? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, how much, how much uh, do you think this is going to expand going forward and how, how are people finding out about GM Genius? Yeah, you know, we think it's got a lot of room to expand. And, and, and really, you know, our, what we would love more than anything would be to partner with, you know, an existing fantasy platform that's got, a, you know, a really big uh, presence right. and infrastructure. And, you know, we've, we've done some, some work with, with, uh, with some of those companies, but, but really what would take it to the next level for us would be uh, to, you know, to really partner with one of those groups and have the benefit of their marketing and their infrastructure. Because we, we think it's an idea that when people find out about it, you know, it, for the most part, they're really excited. And, 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 and that goes to the second point is how are they finding out? So obviously press like this is invaluable for us and in, in getting in front of uh, students and, and, and their parents. And, and one thing I want to note is that anybody can play the, uh, the, the uh, competition. You just can't win the prizes unless you're between 13 and 22. So we have parents who play with their kids, and teachers hmm. who plays with their students. And, you know, we have a college professor who's going to run it with his class this year. And we had the same thing last year. Uh, so press is huge for us. We do a lot of marketing on Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat. Uh, and then uh, we also have sent emails to college financial aid offices, got it up on scholarship sites, emailed uh, you know, professors that teach sports management courses and stuff like that. So it's a combination of those things. We've also got some you know, ads on YouTube videos. So trying our hardest to, to figure out where are the kids that, you know, that love fantasy football that are in our age range. All right, so let's get you out of here on this, Ramin. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. But how? So, so tell us, where are the websites? What are the handles? How can we find you if we want to learn more about this, uh, about this initiative? Sure, absolutely. So gmgenius.com is uh, where you can go to sign up, to read you know, recent press, to, to find out all you need to know. Our social handles are, are linked from there, but it's, it's gm.genius on Facebook and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at ffgm underscore genius. Um, and then if you want to learn more about the nonprofit, it's, it's howidecide.org. 
Well, thanks a lot, Ramin, for spending a couple of time, uh, a couple of minutes with us, and thanks Moses for giving us some insights. Good luck at Drex. Good luck at Drexel when you get there. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate the time. George, good morning. Uh, Jalen Ramsey doesn't think you suck. Does he think I'm trash? No, I didn't hear him say anything about you. Well, that's probably good, right? No, I mean, he. That's a. Isn't. I guess it's a breath of fresh air, right? To hear someone say, I mean, he just he went down in the list of quarterbacks and pretty much, uh, wow, uh, nailed a lot of people to the wall, threw a lot of people to the bus, doesn't care. And uh, good for him. He, he can back up, right? He can walk the walk, so he can talk the talk. Yeah, you know, we're going to we're gonna cover that a lot. We're going to do, do the Jalen Ramsey thing from a fantasy angle and look for some of his comments today, George, and uh, talk about whether these guys really suck or not. Sound like fun? Uh, yeah, I have no problem doing it. Let, let's let, let's talk about it, Scott. Yeah, but first let's look at Jalen Ramsey himself. And as a player, you know, he's kind of like this new breed of cornerback, you know, sort of like a Richard Sherman in his approach where he's a ball hawk and he's got a lot of length and he's very aggressive. Uh, kind of like a Norman in terms of his trash talk in which he doesn't seem to respect his opponents at all. I mean... You remember what happened to A.J. Green last year? Yeah, I think we all remember that little uh, fisticuff, little fight there that happened between yeah. Ramsey and Green. More on Green's side. Green, what, uh, put him in a, ha- uh, a headlock, threw him down to the ground, threw uh, many, many punches. Is Jalen Ramsey the kind of guy, like, he arguably, maybe the best corner in the game right now? And, you know, very young, in the prime of his career. Uh, is Jalen Ramsey a guy where fantasy players are going to start treating it like Daryl Rivas a few years ago and saying, I'm really worried about my number one receiver because he's facing Jalen Ramsey this week. Should I bench him? Well, the thing is, they, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that Ramsey's going to follow. He's not going to travel, so he's not going to go uh, side to side with the number one receiver. They have A.J. Boye on the other side. They like him as well. So I'm not going to panic. I'm not happy about it. Listen, I'm not happy if I'm facing the Jaguars defense at all, period. But I'm not going to bench a number one. You know, I'm not benching, uh, you know, you're not benching Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, you know, Green. You know, maybe you could talk me into Green. But uh, he doesn't travel. So it's not going to uh, come to my thinking all that often. And you'd have to have a hell of a wide receiver core. Well, three better ones travel either. And fantasy players were always worried whenever their top receiver would face the Seattle secondary. Yeah, well, worry is one thing. Benching him is quite another. Well, we've I've, we heard the benching questions, and you know we'll get into what he said about Eli Manning a little more. But they open against the Giants, and it's going to be Odell Beckham versus Jalen Ramsey and Boye in that secondary right away. Then they face New England in the second game, and uh, you know maybe you worry a little bit about Chris Hogan there. Tennessee the third week, the Jets the fourth week. They really don't have any receivers that really scare you and uh you know then they face Kansas City in the fifth game you're gonna be worried about Tyreek Hill I'm not a big Tyreek Hill guy so he won't be on any of my teams anyway I won't have to worry about that uh so am I gonna worry I mean Hill's a different kind of receiver you know he's a flat out runner can, can Ramsey run with him can he's I think I'd be, I'd be, I might go on the other way on this if I'm Jaguar if I'm Jacksonville am I still thinking Ramsey's gonna go one-on-one without a safety over the top on certain players you know, so, no, uh, Hill's a big play guy. You know, if he hits it, he's going to have a monster day. Is he going to have a monster day that weekend? Probably not. 
But uh, Hill might be the one kind of receiver who I wouldn't panic as much about. But as I said, I'm not a, I'm not a big Hill guy. Yeah, then they face Dallas. And then October 21st in the seventh game of the season, they play Houston, which should be very interesting. Yeah, because uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Uh, and, that you know, it's funny. If you're a Jacksonville, you're, uh, you're the uh, defensive coordinator there. I know you have Boy, who's very good himself. But, you know, for the way Ramsey is, as good a cornerback, I think he is the best cornerback in the NFL. Would you want him to travel, especially against the a lot of these teams you've mentioned don't even ha- barely have one, a number one wide receiver, more or less two. But against Hopkins, against Beckham, would you want him to travel and follow these guys wherever they go? You don't necessarily have to because you got Boy on the other side. The safeties are good, and you effectively shut down half the field by not having him travel. Yeah, but against a lot of these teams you mentioned, Scott. They don't have a second second receiver in New England. Who? You know, you know, Jets, really? Dallas? They don't have a second receiver. So I, I don't want Ramsey covering Cole Beasley. You know, I want Ramsey covering yeah. the number one here. I, I, there's also something to be said about shutting down half the field, though, and the quarterback feels like, you know, maybe he can't go to his right as much, etc. cetera. Uh, I think there's something to be said for that equally as well. Uh Let's go down the list of what Jalen Ramsey talked about here in the quarterbacks, and we'll we'll uh, we'll measure it against where he they are ranked on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Package uh, and George Kirch's player rankings. Uh, check out the Exclusive Edge Package now on the uh, RotoExperts.com, and obviously enter the King at checkout for a special discount. So this article is in GQ. You can check it out on GQ.com right now. And uh, anybody who's a football fan or has already heard about this story. So they say, who are the quarterbacks, in your opinion, Jalen, who don't suck? Aaron Rodgers did not. Tom Brady doesn't suck. And George Kurtz agrees in his fantasy football rankings on rotoexperts.com. Of course, Rodgers is pretty much the consensus number one. Uh, you don't have Brady number two, though. You have you have number three. Is that because of the receiving core? Yeah. I mean, as I under Brady, uh, I might have had him number two if Edelman wasn't suspended. If they didn't trade Cooks, I feel a little differently. Uh, but no, I, I can't have him number two for that reason. I think I have him number three, mind you. So we're uh, we're not going that far down the list here. And I keep playing around with those rankings. But uh, I feel fairly certain that I'm going to leave Russell Wilson at number two. Uh, but that could change. I mean, the Doug Baldwin injury does concern me somewhat now. The injury to Rashad Penny, but I think Wilson, the way he can, he can make something out of nothing on most plays with what he does. Very creative back there, and I, I have a lot of respect for the man. I don't see myself changing. I did follow that to Scott Fishbowl and Rodgers went off the board in the uh, the first quarterback. I took the second quarterback, and it was Russell Wilson. If you have any opinions on the Jalen Ramsey comments, both from an NFL. And a fantasy perspective, uh, call us at 844-843-6879, 844-84-FNTSY. He says uh, Marcus Mariota is a really good quarterback for that team. Uh, I don't know if George Kurtz is buying in so much. He's 18th ranked at quarterback for me. He's number 16 on rotoexperts.com. Mariota's got something to prove, but there's a new coaching staff there and a new offensive coordinator who's going to mo- open things more up, uh, they're going to use more three wide receiver sets. The ground and pound is going to be gone. So there is some upside for Mariota this year if he can just stay healthy. 
that's a big key for Mariota, right? He's had several leg injuries. You know, the coaching staff last year, they didn't want him to run as much. You know, they were trying to protect him, and I get that. But you know, there are several quarterbacks in this league, Mariota being one of them, that if they're not running, they're not going to be anywhere near as effective. You know, so they have to use their legs to, uh, to move the chains, to move the books. They're not pure three, five, seven-step drop passes and they're going to throw the ball all over the field. Maybe it's also because Tennessee does not, doesn't have the greatest receiving core. It's not poor, but it's not great either. Uh, I think uh, Ramsey maybe being a little nice because the quarterback's in the division. That's the first thing I thought of, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think Ramsey cares. Yeah, and he, here's the thing, too. You know, he's got Delaney Walker, who seems ageless, but now he gets Deion Lewis this year who's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield if he can stay healthy, too. So there is some upside. Uh, you know, do you have him at 18 with an arrow pointing up? Yes. I have, in a two-quarterback league, super flex, too, or if you start two quarterbacks, and I play in a whole bunch of those, uh, they're my favorite type of leagues, I have no problem with Mariota as my number two. Now I scroll all the way down, and I'm looking for Tyrod Taylor. You have him at number 27. He's even two spots behind Case Keenum which uh, I, I don't think I agree with necessarily. And Jalen Ramsey told GQ about Tyrod Taylor. He says, I think Tyrod Taylor is actually a better quarterback than he gets credit for because he does not make mistakes. He's honestly a Mar- Marcus Mariota-type player where he manages a game really well, always has them in at least position to be in the game late in the game. He doesn't have turnovers that often. It is, in his entire career with the... Uh, you know, with the Bills, he had 52 touchdowns and only 16 interceptions, and he's going to have a better supporting cast than he ever did before. Are you are you are you ranking Tyrod Taylor too low? Maybe Jalen Ramsey thinks so. <laughs> I don't think Jalen Ramsey's following fantasy. The question there is, when if does Baker Mayfield take over? That's why Taylor's ranked so low. The only reason he's ranked so low. Hugh Jackson is insistent it's not happening anytime soon. And uh, what do I like to say about coaches? Well, you know, we, you, know, you know, you and I don't do many shows together, but when is a coach lying? When his lips move. He's not telling us the truth there. You know, uh, and he, listen, maybe it works out that way, but he has no idea. And he should have never said that anyway. It made no sense. Let the guys battle it out and see what happens. Unless he just doesn't want to put any pressure on the rookie, which I would understand. Mayfield's going to play at some point this season. All right, the Browns are, Browns are going to be a better team, but they're not going to be a playoff team. And they're not going to be, uh, oh, we'll just ride Taylor into this. Mayfield's going to play, and that's going to eliminate Taylor's fantasy value. That's why he's as low as he is. Uh, I, I did his rankings almost a month ago. So uh, the closer we get to the season, Taylor's going to start. He'll move into at least quarterback two status. So he'll be in my top 24. Now, how much stock do you put in what Jalen Ramsey says about these quarterbacks? Because, you know, you, you got you to take a look at, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, he actually faces these guys every week. How much? Well, he pretty much tree trashed a lot of people. I mean, there was really nobody good going to Ramsey. I mean, uh, so you can't put a lot of stock in it. Doesn't it's great fun? It was great. Uh, you don't. You never see players talk like this. At least very rarely. And you know, I mean, Tom Coughlin's the. Uh, I don't know if we're calling him the GM there. Whatever his title is, he's gonna have a conniption over this. All right, so Ramsey's going to get a talking to it. Whether that stops him or not, I have no idea. But you know, he's going to get a talking to that. You you can't do this. You can't go there and trash, you know, 20 of 32 quarterbacks. Uh, it, I said, it's great for us. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Going back to talking about Jalen Ramsey's insane about some of these uh, quarterbacks. He says, Deshaun Watson will be the league MVP in a couple of years, 100%. There's not even a debate about that. You know, Watson's got it all. I really liked him coming into last year. 
not only mobile, but just, you know, tremendously strong arm, tremendously creative on the go. And uh, you have you have him fourth, actually, you know, which is which is pretty, pretty respectable. Yeah, even that's tough for me. Like I said, uh, I think I sometimes I rank the way I would draft, and I would get nervous about Watson because once again, I want a, I'm a conservative draft. I like guys who I can look, I can look online, see their stats year after year after year, have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do for me. And Watson, you can't do that. He had a fantastic, you know, for a half a season before he got hurt. He was great. He was electrifying. He was fun to watch. You know, once again, teams will catch on to that now. You know, if this running game is as average as I think it might be. Teams are going to play the pass over and over again, and you know, sort of. I don't. I wouldn't say force Houston to run the ball, but want Houston to run the ball. So I think it'll be. I think this will be a different season for Watson. One, but once again, the way he played last year, it's hard to ignore. I would take him on my face. Weekdays, seven a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.